Maverick has gone forward with Stewart to the right, Lineker and Howes to the left. Is Gascoigne going to have a crack? He is, you know. Oh, I say! Brilliant! That is schoolboy's own stuff. Oh, I bet even he can't believe it. Is there anything left from this man to surprise us? That was one of the finest free kicks that this stadium has ever seen. Hello and welcome to episode 76 of Hitting the Bar, the football podcast. I'm Chris Carl. And I'm Jeff Saunders. Well, Jeff, uh, lots to talk about, but first your trivia question. Right, last week Bayern beat Stuttgart and they beat them 4-0. Why is that a record? Nice and simple, uh, but possibly not that easy to find out. We'll uh, find out at the end of the show. Let's get on with it. We'll start with Manchester United, who were playing rejuvenated and exciting to watch Brighton. It finished 2-1, but there was a bit of controversy. Well, yeah, first, first of all, Manchester United struggled to beat Brighton 2-1 and shouldn't have done there was a quite blatant penalty for Brighton which wasn't given and wasn't even referred to VAR it was a rugby tackle and not even referred to VAR I cannot understand it the only possible explanation is the referee was instructed that Manchester United must win and they duly did yeah I quite I felt a little bit sorry for Brighton because they worked very very hard to get up to that point a draw Man United coming from behind and I think really just about getting the win they didn't make it look easy no that's right uh, over the whole whole course of the game a draw was a fair result Brighton could maybe have nicked it but their issue all season has been scoring goals and they don't score enough but they should have drawn that match that was a fair result and yet again a referee and a penalty decision helps Manchester United no shock there no I think a lot of non-Man United fans will agree with you that they do seem to get the rub of the green and uh, Brighton were on uh, the end of that this time Welbeck scored against his old club and uh, Lalana, another older player both have Having good games and both settling in nicely at Brighton and I think the style that Graham Potter sets up while being very fluid and attacking is also very disciplined and I think it fits both those players yeah and and what what this match showed again was that despite costing a you know north of a billion pounds and in that Manchester United squad they still struggled to break down good teams yeah, which kind of leads me on to what I wanted to ask you. Uh, Graham Potter, obviously a very solid manager. I think he has to work very hard to get what he needs out of his, let's say, less expensive players. Whereas Solskjaer has got a squad full of superstars and expensive players and therefore probably has less to do. And I do believe, I do feel, that he doesn't actually do that much. Because you can't see that say that it's a Solskjaer-esque team. They don't play in a particular style, they just play as they are good players yeah they are almost 100% counter attacking team and they live or die by how well the defence plays when the defence has a, a typical Maguire match then they they give goals away when they don't they tend to win because those forwards will create chances but it's not, not the result of any um, any plan you, you, you can't see any, any structure there it's just throw a lot of good players on the pitch and see what they do yeah they do have that advantage of having a a wealth of riches as far as so-called superstars go and Paul Pogba as well Um, let's move on to probably the biggest shock of the weekend Chelsea 2 West Bromwich Albion 5 now I don't know how many games it normally takes West Brom to score 5 goals but I can't imagine many people getting 5 against Chelsea at home in recent history Chelsea did go down to 10 men and they were 1-0 up at the time but I don't think 
that says the story at all about that game. No, for, for the rest of the first half after Silva was sent off, they were still on top and, and still looked to have the game under control. Then they just gave away those two stupid goals at the end. It was It's hard to decide what it was, to be honest. It was like watching... Sc- I was going to say watching schoolboys, but it wasn't even that. It was the, a complete and total loss of discipline and shape and it, it was an absolute puzzle it's just it, they forgot who they were they've done so well under Tuchel 10 games or something conceded one goal not lost at all uh, all looking very good to collapse against a team as bereft if you like or bad as West Brom have been most of the season does it say a lot about how Chelsea played in that one game or does it say that West Brom suddenly found their mojo or they they sensed the fear in, in Chelsea because it's very difficult to see what went wrong or what went right because you've got one excellent team against one terrible team. Well, you, you, you have to remember that those five goals came against ten players. So th- that, that does have an impact. And Chelsea had to withdraw Ziyech, an, an attacking player, in other words, a player who will ask questions, to bring on Christensen in defence. So it made life much easier for, for West Brom. I think one of the things you said might might be the key to it. They had Pereira coming back after after a spell out, and he he looked a completely different player. He looked like he should be playing for a very definitely top half team, and he took his chances well, created chances extremely well. It was it was just almost just as Chelsea switched off, suddenly West Brom switched on and thought, "Hang on a second, we can win this." And then they started to play with some sort of belief and did the thing which will annoy Allardyce is that they scored two goals too many. You know, they they weren't even averaging one. Goal goal per game to score five in one match is wasteful you want to spread them over <laughs> over more matches so there, there were two wasted goals there which you'd rather have next time out they played extremely well they saw their chance they took it and Chelsea I, I don't know what happened they imploded they, they were just total shower yeah it was probably a case of both things Chelsea imploded and were dreadful and West Brom sensed it and suddenly started playing as a team but too late in the season one fears oh yeah I mean they're not going to they're not going to escape relegation they're going down it'd be nice in a wave just for the uh entertainment of it would be nice to see West Brom kick on from that and have a little bit of belief and that is another thing they had belief in that game but when you're a team struggling in the bottom four or five and you're away at Liverpool or Manchester City or Chelsea I think you kind of write those games off generally you don't even you think maybe we'll nick a draw so to get a win like that is going to give them so much belief and I think belief is something that was either present or lacking in some of the games this weekend Uh, and we'll talk about Tottenham uh, who are the latter a little bit later on. But that was unbelievable. Chelsea losing at home to West Brom. Leicester losing 2-0 against Man City not so much but it does kind of open up that top four a little bit yeah I, I get quite upset at footballers with in matches like this it, the correct result was 3-1 win for City and uh, you know Leicester just didn't make an effort the reason for saying that is that that, that was my prediction and we would have won a lot of points if it if it had come true instead it was only 2-0 to City and City looked very good for the two they looked they were dominant Leicester played quite well they played as, as Leicester do but there was such a difference in class the better team won and deserved to win. I don't think it will affect Leicester very much. They, I don't think they, they thought they would win, actually. A draw would be a fantastic result for them. But, you know, they're, do, they're doing well. They'll finish third and the world ca- world carries on turning. There are some games when you're in the bottom of the table that you know you won't win away at Man City or whatever. And I think even for Leicester and Man United, second and third as they are in the league, Man City are in a different league. And everybody now since 21 matches ago um, everybody expects to lose to City I think and nobody is surprised when they do even a team in third place losing at home to City is no surprise 
I think you're right. Leicester will have expected that and they will have written that one off and it may not affect them too badly. However, however, one team who have underperformed all season is the Wanderers. Woolies Wanderers who are at home to a resurgent Liverpool. Give them that. Uh, they've played Liverpool at possibly the worst time. If they'd have played them a couple of months ago, they may have considered their chances a bit better. But they lost 3-0 at home and I think the nil gives them a bit too much credit. Very much so. I predicted 2-0 to Liverpool and everyone was saying, oh no, it'll be a draw. But I, I do not understand. I read what the journalists write in the newspaper about the Wanderers and I cannot see it on the pitch and I've been saying this for months and months I do not know what it is that the groundsman has done that is worthy of any praise whatsoever and the journalists keep saying oh you can see how he's improved the team but they never write down what it is that they've seen because I haven't seen anything and in you know let's go back to Emery in his first first full season in charge he finished fifth and the groundsman is going to underperform compared to that and I think if you looked at Emery's first 50 matches in charge I think you'd find that he's way better in every statistic than the groundsman I don't understand what the fuss is about I really don't see it almost the same players the players who've been got rid of are the ones that the groundsman said he didn't want wanted to get rid of there he's not delivering the results so Liverpool well well worth their their 3-0 win they looked very good they looked looked as if they got their mojo back Alexander Arnold was outstanding absolutely outstanding I think Liverpool will get fourth and the Wanderers will be down at 10th, 11th or 12th Yes, I think Arsenal are now looking at no European football next season whatsoever unless they win the Europa League which again is an outside chance I think given the competition that's left in that cup and I agree with you I don't think the groundsman as we call the Woolwich Wanderers manager has done anything to either improve that team or even let's say change the style of that team and one thing that Jamie Carragher said on I think it was uh, Monday Night Football on Sky Sports last night he said the Woolwich are in danger of creating another uh, Mesut Ozil situation with um, Abba Young because he said he has been dreadful lately and the words he used were lazy uh, and ineffectual uh, he scored so- very few goals this season and he believes that Abba Young is not putting a shift in for that team and is on 300 and something grand a week it'll end up with a situation like Ozil yeah and add William to that William they, they trebled his money to 300,000 a week and then don't play him. That that's a level of genius from the groundsman that I can't I, I can't get near. So he is obviously very very much more intelligent than me to be able to to be able to do that to pay Aubameyang over three hundred thousand a week. And Aubameyang's career has whole career all his success has come playing in the inside left channel as a striker so the groundsman has him playing as a left wing now please can somebody explain that to me because i do not understand it at all i'm obviously you know much much less intelligent than the groundsman but you play your center forward as a left wing you know steve bruce is doing that as well by the way with dwight gale up in in jongleurs but i don't understand it yes it's a very strange situation not only is he playing him out of position he punished him for turning up late to the north london derby against Tottenham by not playing him although they did win it but basically he was punishing the team more than he was Abba Miang. he'll do without that appearance fee I'm sure he won't struggle uh, and then he took him off against Liverpool uh, when they were losing and you'd think your main attacking player is being taken off in place of somebody who is not a main attacking player and it seemed like a very odd tactic if that's what you can call it 
I'm very happy that the Woolwich are struggling, and I think you're right. I don't think they'll finish as low as 12th, but I don't think they'll finish above 8th, and uh, I'm happy to see that. Very happy indeed. That's the Woolwich. Uh, we then come to your favourite club, the Jongleurs um, of the North East, uh, who played my team, Tottenham. As usual, Tottenham uh, went behind, uh, 1-0. However, a rapid-fire two goals from Harry Kane put us in control of the game, and then Newcastle then went and got a late equaliser and sparked off the debate once again about Mourinho and should he be in charge at Tottenham. It, it's interesting that that debate keeps keeps happening, and yet the same journalists don't make the same comments about the groundsmen at, uh, at the Wanderers, who are performing, what, they're eight points behind and looking poor. There, there, there are obviously, I mean, uh, no, I must rephrase that because it isn't obvious, but it appears. It appears that there are problems with, with the spuds, which probably go back to training. Um, they are definitely underperforming. With that front four, they should be scoring more goals. They should be winning matches. They're above Liverpool on goal difference at the moment. Both teams have scored, I think it's 51, but they've scored the same number of goals. The spuds' defence is better, which in a club that's got Dyer playing is 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 miraculous he played the um, the younger lads young Rodon and, and, and Tanganga Rodon and Sanchez at centre back so Sanchez is always going to give the opposition a chance which he did a couple of times Rodon looked very very good looks a very very good player he should ke- can definitely keep him in um, full back Regulon's very very good Tanganga will be very good he's he's good tackler you know like Juan Bissaka at uh, Manchester United very very good tackler nobody wants to run at him and get past him but he does get caught out of position sometimes when he's very young he will Spurs kind of got lucky with um, that Dwight Gale chance where Lois made a great save a great double save in fact and Gale really should have put the second one in but didn't and then Spurs went literally up the other end and started that that two goal spree for for Kane the second goal is down to the Newcastle defence it's absolutely shocking why any one of those three defenders there didn't launch the ball into Rosette I don't understand but you know Spurs took the lead and and looked good value for it for quite a lot of the second half to be quite honest yes I mean of course the Tottenham fans like any fans react very extremely to the slightest difference in scoreline for a long period of the season Spurs fans have been screaming at Mourinho as it were on all the fan forums why don't you play Rodon and Tanganga Jaffet Tanganga Uh, they're much better than Aurea they're much better than Sanchez etc so he does that and now they're saying why was Aurea not playing so you can't win Um, Mourinho can't win he's done what fans have said he's played the young Rodon uh, who fans have said you know for a long time is very good he was very good and he makes a simple decision he doesn't try to overplay it Uh, many times he just launched it out of play rather than try to start an attack or something because that was a simpler option and that's a sensible thing to do I, I wasn't as angry as some Spurs fa- fans are with that game we should have won it yes um, I think you know with the, the attack we've got we should have done a lot better I don't think the defence were that bad and I thought we came up across a Newcastle who are having a better day than they have for some time and sometimes these results just go that way the problem is that of course Mourinho said stuff and that gives everybody and the press of course a chance to have a go yeah I mean we are we are well used to Mourinho and what he says and you can you can guess why he's saying it and it's usually all about distraction and please don't please don't look at what I do Newcastle played well they played well and they deserve their draw so it's not uh, not a great problem I don't think I think Spuds will finish above West Ham because they've got a better squad but we shall we shall wait and see if I was a, a Spuds fan I wouldn't be at all at all upset or or put off by 
by this result. It was a good result for Newcastle. They played well, they deserved it. You just have to say, okay, fine. The, the problem is you come off the pitch knowing you could have done better and, and a poor team got away with it. Well, Newcastle deserved it. So just say, yeah, okay, it's, that's football. Shake their hands, have a drink in a bar afterwards, <laughs> get on the plane, go home. Yes, I think there's been too much talk and um, autopsy regarding this game. And in fact, it was a point away from home at a team that turned up for once in a while. And we, you know, Kane hit the bar. There were chances we should have had. Maybe we should have gone 3-1 up. We didn't. We came away with a draw. Mourinho said after the game when asked your teams uh, throughout the years have been notoriously difficult to break down and very defensive that hasn't been the case this season what's happened and he said different players same manager so he's like blaming the players but as, as you mentioned as far as letting in goals we've got the fourth best defense in the league it's just the goals that we've given away have cost us two points in this case for example yeah and the other thing to bear in mind is, is there's there's a lot of nonsense talked about how difficult the run-in is and if you're playing a team at the bottom who are fighting against relegation as Newcastle are you'd rather play them in mid-season than the end of the season when they need the points and maybe that was a factor there that Fulham are getting closer they really needed the result and their players went out and, and got it well good for them well done I think that's probably the most sensible thing I've heard about that game is that we came up against a Newcastle who realised they'd got a very very few amount of games in which to save their season and the other thing is I see a certain lack of belief in this Tottenham team and I think that started sometime very very shortly after we lost the Champions League final to Liverpool and I don't think it's returned ever since I think a lot of players have lost their self-belief but I think we're good enough to, to finish above West Ham and I think fourth or fifth is not impossible but I think fourth will be very difficult considering the teams you've got in competition the joker in the pack is Liverpool you know which Liverpool turn up in the next match they've had false starts periodically since since December and haven't been able to add the second win to the first comeback win so we have to have to see what happens this weekend the only thing I can say as a Tottenham fan is we need to be winning matches like that and we need to win every game left and then you don't care what the others do you've done your best let's turn to your team since we mentioned them stormed into a 3-0 lead away at Wolves who haven't also like Newcastle been great this season Uh, it then finished 3-2 Jesse Lingard had an exceptionally good game but you still don't think you'll finish top 4 or 5 no I don't because because uh, I, I'm assuming Liverpool will kick on from last weekend and I think Spuds will finish above us so no we're not we're not going to but it's still been a great season uh, Lingard had a very very good game best game I've ever seen him have but he was helped with some quite generous defending from Wolves and I mean yes he received the ball 10 yards inside his own half and went on this diagonal run but nobody actually challenged him he went past players rather than round them and took his chance extremely well buried it in the corner it was a, a very very good goal he doesn't get the assist for the second goal but he made it the way he kept the ball in 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 the pitch and made the pass which led to the pass which led to the goal he had a very very good game West Ham went up 3-0 just as they did against the Wanderers and predictably made it made it look difficult at the end yeah I mean I think you know, it pains me greatly to say it but I think West Ham are having an exceptional season and it's again a matter of not how much the players cost or whether they're superstars or not but the belief they've got and somehow between themselves and with David Moyes they've learnt to play as a disciplined team albeit they do let goals in quite a lot and they do have a belief that they can do it and they are beginning to dare to dream I think if you finish sixth it'll be a fantastic season yes absolutely it, it, it will the the thing for West Ham for next season of course is to keep Suchek and Rice if they can whether they whether they do will depend on how much money everyone else has got and if, if anyone is a, a 
at all surprised I said Suchek look at the number of goals and assists he's he's made and then compare him to Fernandez at Manchester United and take out the penalties for Fernandez and you'll see that Fernandez is not actually the the, the top midfielder in the league Suchek is but the, the challenge for West Ham is going to be to keep those two players because they're absolutely key to them and look at Declan Rice's performances for England he's abs- absolutely dominated Lingard rightfully got man of the match in that that first match but Rice ran him close and Rice was streets ahead of anyone else as man of the match in the second one and if you watched him particularly watch him in any match but particularly for England he's telling everybody where to pass the ball where to go what to do he's the general in, in there not the more much more expensive defenders who people talk about but you watch what he does he he directs that team and he directs West Ham he'll be a huge loss if if we can't keep him big question about Lingard will Manchester United want him back my answer is they should but I don't think they will because they've got so many other players I mean he scored six goals and three assists in eight games for West Ham that's incredible it is a matter of form and then at Man United of course 49 games five goals and two assists so he's, he's got more goals in eight games than he had in 49 but it's a matter of I don't know where, where you play him how you play him on the current form yeah Man United would take him back but they know that it may not last and as you say they've got other players you did say something there before we move on that, uh, inadvertently you hit on it about having a leader and a general there that I think is the one thing that is missing in Tottenham's defence the players themselves yes Sanchez is a red card or a penalty or a goal waiting to happen uh, but he has got some very good points and most of those defenders are very good in their own rights and on the day but no None of them have the confidence and belief and there isn't a leader, there isn't one of them shouting instructions and barking at the others and I think that might be part of what's missing from the Tottenham team is leadership. Yeah, I, I, I expect Rodon to, to get there and I think for Tottenham he needs to get there quite quickly. I mean you look at, at Rice at West Ham after one year he's now, he's the general in the team. One year in England he's the general in the team. You you want these players to step up. You know, basically what Tottenham need is a Connor Cody. Just to conclude that whole discussion about Tottenham and where they'll finish and where West Ham will finish bearing in mind all the talk there's been all season about Mourinho and he's not up to it and this that and the other I don't think he'll get the sack at the end of the season I don't think he needs to I think some of those players need to have a little quiet word with themselves and start stepping up and they need they need that leader in there a little bit of a reshuffle if we finish six I don't think it'll have been too bad but it's not where Tottenham fans think they should be but if you look at the opposition it's where they will be for a while yeah absolutely the the two leaders at Tottenham are the goalkeeper theoretically and and I've never been a fan of goalkeepers being captains or leaders and the centre forward and same thing applies you know Kane ought to be worried about you know the runs he makes the positions he takes up um, rather than worrying about what the midfield or the fullbacks are doing you know you need a midfield general in there or a centre back general and someone like uh, uh, Connor Cody a Tarkowski a me Tyrone Mings even at Aston Villa you know people who who grab everyone else by the scruff of the neck and say right this is what we're doing you know let's let's stop faffing about Unfortunately, I, th- I think that probably sums it up for Tottenham. There's far too much faffing about in midfield. It is. They're trying to make it too complicated, and it's because there isn't somebody saying, enough of that, get it to there, do that. And that's not something that Mourinho can change. You can't make one of those players become a leader. Yeah, I mean, he's going to have to find one. Um, Just an interesting stat before we move on. Harry Kane has got more assists this season than Kevin De Bruyne. 
and we've got the fourth best uh, defence in the league according to goals uh, conceded and yet there is this crisis. Here on the Costa del Sol of course everybody's struggling because of Covid and all that so we want to give a shout out to some local businesses and one of those is run by a friend of ours, very dear friend of mine, Frank who is a partner in a cafe in La Cala de Micas. It's called The Deli and for me being a vegetarian they've got some great vegetarian and vegan options but the thing that really struck us was possibly the best coffee we've had in an area I mean Spain where coffee is looked at very very seriously uh, much like the French and the Italians love their coffee top marks to the deli for their interior and their service but that coffee was wonderful it was um, uh, I said at the time comfortably the best coffee I've had in Spain it, it was really really good yeah you're right about the you know the interior the service was fantastic the, the menu is really good I mean I'm, I'm not a vegetableist but the the, the vegetarian options there are, are, are creative they're not just yeah exactly they're not just vegetarian lasagna they're not ordinary meals that w- without meat and yeah. with, with something pretending to be meat they're actually genuine vegetarian options so get down to the deli in La Cala it's really well worth it yeah big up to Frank and the deli in La Cala to make us play right in the centre of La Cala well done Frank right let's move on uh, last week there were photographs of Haaland the sensational footballer his agent uh, super agent Riola and his father landing in Barcelona and having talks with Barcelona Chiefs about a transfer uh, but apparently then he went to about three Premier League clubs as well so <laughs> creating a bit of an auction he's then said oh it's all fake news but he's on the move isn't he Haaland well it's very clear that Rayola wants him on the move but the issue is who's got the money and going to Barcelona and Real Madrid okay in in a normal year that would that would make perfect sense because they're the two most likely destinations for him but neither club has got any money they're all in breach of their banking covenants and their charter rules which say how much money you can borrow as a percentage or you know a, a ratio to the assets of the club and you have to remember these are clubs they're not limited companies they're clubs they are owned by the members and they cannot break these rules so i don't think that either club has got enough money to buy harland this summer and i think harland would be much better off spending another year in dortmund i can't see at 20 years old can't see there's any hurry for him to move he's not going to suddenly lose his form all the things that he does he does quite naturally hang around for a year be useful to dortmund for another year make the really big move the following year i think that that's his best plan but obviously rayola is an agent and he makes much much more money when his uh, his clients move and one thing that uh, Rayola said uh, and he has said things about Man United as well in the past because Pogba is one of his uh, to wind them up one thing he said about Dortmund was that possibly he rushed into the decision to uh, sort of get Haaland signed for Dortmund and that maybe he should have looked for other bigger clubs instead of allowing him to go there which I would imagine wouldn't go down very well with Dortmund who after all are Haaland's current employers yeah, but I don't think Rayola cares. To, you know, to, why would he worry? No, a, a move to to Dortmund was a brilliant move because it it was a place where he could sh- he could shine with very little pressure on him. And unfortunately, this season the rest of what's happening at Dortmund hasn't hasn't helped him very much. Haaland still looked great, but Dortmund aren't winning. So the the issue for Haaland is if Dortmund do not get into the Champions League next season, will he stay? That's going to be the that's going to be the 
the question. Certainly Dortmund will want him to stay because they'll get much, much less money for him this year than if they wait one more year. Yeah, it is very possible that they won't get into the Champions League as well on current form. Another topic that is in the news at the moment uh, is uh, something that Chris Sutton has spoken out about. Uh, Chris Sutton, ex-footballer, his father died last year from dementia caused by heading a football because he's also an ex-footballer. And Chris Sutton has called for temporary concussion substitutes. We currently allowed two substitutes per game for concussion. He says that players should be allowed to go off, uh, be looked at by an independent doctor in the dressing room and then brought back on again if they're safe. At the moment, you can only take them off and replace them all together, which probably means that players aren't being taken off when they should be. Yeah, and we saw that again, yet again, this season at the weekend with Sheffield United. One of their centre-backs got a blow to the head. Um, He was taken off, looked at and then sent back on the pitch. 15 minutes later, he complained about feeling dizzy. He clearly had concussion and he was he was replaced now he could have died you don't mess about with head injuries you just don't they put his life at risk and why the Premier League does not just take what rugby does and just copy it I do not understand you've had these temporary replacements for head injuries for donkey's years in rugby now and it works perfectly well that nobody is penalised from your player being off the pitch being assessed properly by an independent doctor not your doctor it must be independent and if the doctor says yes he's fit to play then he goes back on if you don't want him to go back on then you keep the player on and you use him he is one of your three substitutes it's very very simple it works extremely well the other thing that football has which uh, sorry which rugby has which football does not have is at the start of the season every player starts this concussion protocol where they are asked all the questions that they will be asked in the uh, an assessment during the match and they are they are measured their eyesight is measured and and their cognitive skills are all measured and that's a base so whenever whenever they go off for an assessment in the season, the doctor has got the results from before when they didn't have a hit on the head, compare them to the results now. It is so simple and so fair, you have to ask why football is not doing it. Yes, and I think Sutton has a very good point. He said his own son, one of his sons, doesn't want to play football anymore because he's seen what happened to his granddad and the decline and death through dementia. And Sutton's saying, you know, if you can take certain preventative measures and provide proper statistics for doctors... Uh, maybe we'll find a way to combat it and all play football safely. Right, let's move on to our predictions for this coming week as we get to, uh, as they call, the business end of the Premier League. Of course, just a few games left. So let's have a little look at Manchester City against Leeds United. I think we're looking at 2 or 3 nil. Uh 3, yeah. Uh, Liverpool against Aston Villa. Again, Liverpool um, being reborn once again. For me, that's uh, probably 2 nil to Liverpool. Yeah, I'll go for 2-1 Liverpool. Palace versus Chelsea. Well, Chelsea have got to bounce back from that, haven't they? They they just must. I'll say 3-0 away win. Yeah, they've got to bounce back, and I think Tuchel is the kind of manager that will rally them in time to do that, despite Palace getting an incredible draw against Everton. Burnley against Newcastle. Burnley are just about safe, but Newcastle will be buoyed by their point against Tottenham and Fulham losing last week. Well, I, I think Burnley will bounce back from their defeat against Southampton and beat the Junglers 2 and then your lot, West Ham United, are at home to Leicester City. In previous years, you might have looked a bit at that, a bit worried at that one, but I don't think West Ham have got much to fear the way they're playing. No, nothing to fear, but it's a very good Leicester team who are better when the opposition have the ball. I think 2-2. 
And then Tottenham uh, against Manchester United, who are second and probably will finish that way. We did put six behind them in the reverse fixture earlier in the season, but things have changed a little bit for, since then. And Tottenham, are, as I said before, have lost a bit of confidence. I'd be quite pleased with a draw. Yeah, I'm, I'm a little bit worried about that one. Yeah, um, I think a 2-1 win to Manchester United. and Well, Manchester United and the ref, obviously. And the ref, yes. Um, but we shall see and hope. I mean, that'll be more dissection and, and hysteria from Tottenham fans. Sheffield United against the Woolwich Woolwich Wanderers are away at Sheffield United again Sheffield United you know, one of those teams that are going to go down you would expect the Woolwich to win that yeah this is going to be another triumph for, for the groundsman isn't it um, a 2-1 a 2-1 win for the Wanderers and then on next Monday West Bromwich Albion against Southampton well do you know what anything could happen in that actually but I expect a 2-0 Southampton win alright and I'd like to see Brighton win this one Brighton against Everton just to almost put an end to Everton's challenge against Tottenham finishing 4th or 5th but Everton a much much better team away from home much better so I think 2-1 to Everton alright let's have a little look at the answer to your trivia question ok it was a simple one last week Bayern beat Stuttgart by 4-0 why is that a record well they, Bayern have beaten Stuttgart 4-0 before now so it wasn't that but it was the biggest victory by a team reduced to 10 men when the score was 0-0 there have been some 3-0 wins but when, the, when Bayern's man was sent off the score was 0-0 and they won 4-0 with 10 men and that is the biggest scoreline to have happened with 10 men when it started off as 0-0 that's incredible um Many thanks to 93.6 Global Radio here on the Costa del Sol. Thanks to the deli for providing us with good coffee. I'm Chris Carl. And I'm Jeff Saunders. And that was Hitting the Bar, the football podcast. 